Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee's Dance. Hey there, cutie pants. <laughs> Am I as studly as the statue of David or what? What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in a living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time, DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote, and maybe you can have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Are oh, you not entertained? Let me entertain you. Speaking of entertainment, today on the program, I have Stacy Jackson. Stay Rocks. Oh, you know that name. Dance music out of Canada and England and the world. Yes, Stacy Jackson. That's Stacy Jackson. You're going to get to hear a little bit more about Stacy Jackson in the next few minutes. So stick around. Very excited. This week's shows, let's see. Oh, Friday night. I have my usual Friday night gig at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas, the video dance party, karaoke jam. Yes, I said karaoke. You're the stars of the show. The stage is set up. The microphone is there, and you become a star, at least for three to five minutes, however long a song is, unless you pick one of the really, really long songs. Then I'll take a break and uh, sit at the bar and listen to you sing at the rab <laughs> they got a full bar the kitchen's open pool tables pool tournament on friday nights ah if you want to try your hand at playing pool and possibly make some money while you're doing it check out the pool tournament and also check out the food it is delicious the new owners are the owners that own the uh, the italian restaurant in conway arkansas and they have really spruced up the kitchen at the rab in conway arkansas so come and visit with me friday night my usual Friday night gig, 8 p.m. until 12.30 in the AM. That's the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. And then on Saturday, Saturday, I think I have a birthday party or something uh, going on. It's something that got booked just last minute, so, so I'm kind of excited. You know, I, I know I do a lot of weddings. I have really appreciate the weddings. They take a lot of work and a lot of preparation, and I, I do appreciate when I get to do people's weddings or even their corporate events, stuff like that. It takes a lot of preparation. When I do uh, an informal get-together, that, 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 is, that can get pretty fun as well because they're singing all kinds of songs, all kinds of music. I, I become their, their human jukebox, mixing it up, you know, and, uh, and then uh, maybe some Stacey Jackson music will slide in there. Maybe. No, for sure. All right, that's enough intro. Let's get into it with Stacy Jackson. Stay rocks. I uh, got her on Skype. So if you're listening to the audio version of this, I encourage you to check out the video version on my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash keys Dan. Skyping Stacy Jackson now. Stacy Jackson, stay rocks. You rock. You know, well, I try, but I obviously don't rock when it comes to technical stuff. <laughs> oh, I don't believe that for one minute because you are a techno goddess, a techno queen. Uh, the the rhythms are gonna get you if you're listening to Stacy Jackson's music. Oh my goodness, one twenty eight beats per minute. I, I know at the club this weekend, Stacy Jackson's gonna be rocking uh, on the on the video screens and on the audio at my cl- uh, club show in uh in. <laughs> Conway, Arkansas. Yeah, you're going to be playing in Conway, Arkansas on Friday night at the Rab because uh, you're going to be my featured artist. I I like playing different kinds of music for the people that are there. Generally, they're my age, uh, somewhere in their early to mid 50s, somewhere in that area. So we come from the 80s and we're here to help. And I'm very excited to chat with you. Class of 86 rules. That's me, baby. Me. But uh, where do we find you today? 
Stacey Jackson? Well, today I'm in Miami, and then I'm heading up to Atlanta tomorrow. Um, I'm nominated for an International Singer-Songwriter Award, so that's pretty exciting. And, um, yeah, I've got a new record out and a new book coming out, and it's going to be a crazy few months for me. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know you're in Miami. You come from uh, somewhere in Canada. Where are you? Whereabouts in Canada are you from? I'm originally from Montreal, but I reside in London, England now. I, I don't sound like I do, but I, <laughs> I've been living there for 23 years. Well, what do I know? Uh, you know, people uh, here in, in the States, we try to do a British accent. I, I believe that the British, the English people, uh, the Brits can do better American accents then we can do English accents because they always make fun of us when we uh, do English accents. We want to be Cockney or uh, take take away our H's or whatever. But I, I do, I know when the when the English when the Brits uh, do their American accents, it's very affected. It, they really enunciate their words because it is, after all, it is the Queen's English, and you want to make sure that you are understood with every word, every syllable. <laughs> That's 100% true, and that's probably why I haven't lost my North American accent, because I, I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, too scared to be thought of someone who's trying to put it on, I guess. Um, but my kids grew up in, in, in Britain, so they weirdly have full-on proper, you know, English schoolboy and schoolgirl accents. It's very cute. Well, yeah. I'm imagining them them wearing the uh, Angus uh, from uh, ACDC's uh, uniform when they're going off to school. Mummy, mummy, I'm off to school. Uh, pack my lunch, <laughs> tea and crumpets, stuff like. Oh, I, I think I just did it. I, I made a faux pas. I tried to do an English accent. I'm sure it was horrible. And people that are that are listening in England are going to be cringing right about now. Mm-hmm. Potentially, but no, I thought you sounded very cute when you did that, so I, I, I wasn't offended. I think well, it's great. I don't know how, how you didn't get the accent, because Madonna went over to England for about three hours, and she came back with a full-on uh, God Save the Queen accent. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it can be it can be put on. <laughs> it can be put on. You're absolutely right. It can be put on. But, you know, it, what's interesting about living in London is it's really not the line, not the accent per se, it's more the language. So for certain things, their expressions and, you know, descriptions of certain things are, are, are just, you know, different words. So for instance, like when I was pushing my baby in the stroller and then I needed to put it in the trunk of the car, um, you know, an American would say, put the stroller in the trunk, but a Brit would say, put the pram or put the buggy in the boot. And so it was those sorts of things that I had to learn, you know, and, and, and because I needed to communicate, <laughs> they wouldn't understand. Or another funny story, I, I came out of a yoga class and I was with a friend of mine and she left her, well, she, she meant her yoga pants when she changed. She said she left her pants in the studio and we were already in the taxi and the taxi cab like was like, whoa, that's like too much information because pants are actually underwear. So, you you know, the taxi cab driver was like, oh, my God, this woman just left her underpants in the studio. But actually it wasn't. It was her trousers. Right. So, like, it's you have to sort of. It's it's more like uh, learning the language, even though it's the same language. It's quite funny. It's semantics. But, yeah. You're learning all over again. And the only time I really hear your North American, your Canadian accent is on the boots. You know, uh, what's all a boot? <laughs> yeah, because I'm watching some of your videos. And my goodness, I am so happy. I'm a child of the MTV age. I'm so happy that you took the time not only to make great music, but also to put a music video to it. Because I do video dance parties, karaoke jams, and I love that you've put uh, videos, visuals to all of, all of your songs or a lot of your songs. And, a lot, yeah. you know, OK, I've I've heard a lot of the the remixes of your songs, the the beat, the 128 beats per minute, 135. Boom, 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 boom. Great. That showcases, you know, that somebody can remix a song. But the the ones that really showcase you and your vocal talents, there's one, uh, of course, the the uh, well, there's one, the soldier. Mm, there's one that's that's really stripped down. 
It's kind of a, an acoustic version. Oh, uh, flip side. Flip side. That's the one. Yeah. Very acoustic version of that. I went, okay, all the other songs, you can tell you've got talent, you've got skill. It's been honed for years. But that one flip side, that is where you're going, oh, okay, this is the one that you send to Star Search or uh, she's, America's Got Talent to get in there <laughs> and, and to make sure that they know she's legit. Okay. But uh, let, let's go back. Let's go back to, uh, let's, let's take a little time. And find out how Stacy Jackson, Stay Rocks, became Stacy Jackson before she was Stay Rocks. When you were in in Canada, what part of Canada were you from? And uh, tell me about little oh, Stacy Jackson. Montreal. Oh yeah, you're so cute. I'm I'm from Montreal originally. Um, I grew up um, in the English speaking part. By the time I was 15, though, I was in a rock band. Um, playing around Montreal in clubs, I wasn't even a- able to drink yet, um, and. Uh, it was an original rock band back in the 80s, and so I was mostly inspired by the rock music. And then um, sort of later 80s, I became an aerobics teacher. I was very into health and fitness, and I, um, I ultimately started teaching aerobics. And so by being in the gyms and, you know, jumping around, I needed really, you know, beats and stuff. So um, I started to get really into sort of the dance music and the EDM you know, and I just needed a beat, but because I'm also a musician, like I, I just, I could listen to beats and actually make up top lines in my head. And it just became like a natural transition for me to go from, you know, being in the rock world into sort of more of a commercial pop dance world. And, um, then I moved to New York and I was singing in, um, covers band and we did mostly, you know, Motown, disco, just fun dance stuff that people like to dance to at parties. And uh, then I moved to London and I I was, I took off a lot of years to raise my kids. So I didn't really think that I was going to, you know, go back to being in a band again, to be honest. I, I thought, well, you know, I'm getting too old for this and I'm never going to actually get to live my dream. And don't get me wrong. I would have been absolutely fine just being a mummy and, and, you know, my kids are my life, but I was itching to, you know, to, to go back to at least, at least sing in a band. So I um, aligned myself with um, this charity called music for youth, where I was mentoring kids and um, they they basically are a charity that provides a platform for kids to perform all over the country at festivals. And I had this idea, wouldn't it be great if we could introduce them to the recording side of, you know, of being a musician, not just a performer and like what it's like to create music or to record music. So um, we brought down about 30 or 40 kids from all over the UK to London and super talented kids who were a part of this charity and sprinkled them throughout an album of Motown tracks. And um, I was singing and then we had uh, choirs, we had strings, we had guitarists, we had a whole bunch of kids and we put them all in the album. And it got a lot of noise in London, and uh, there was a, a pretty, you know, popular DJ at the time who was affiliated with the charity, and remixed one of the songs off of the album. And there I am, a couple of weeks later, sitting between Lady Gaga and the Sister Sisters on the chart with the song, and my life changed basically from there. Like it was really crazy. <laughs> Okay, I think you just laid down the top couple of paragraphs of your Wikipedia page. Let's drill down on some of that. Unpack a little bit. The rock band. Tell me about the rock band. When did that start? What year was it? Uh, Were you just out of high school? And, uh, you know, what was the name of the band? And you said it was original rock band, no covers. Tell me about that. Yeah, Um, I, I the band was called Cold Front. Uh, it was back in 1985. We wrote all original music. Um, I, us- I usually wrote, funnily enough, it was with our, my drummer and I were the writers. And uh, they used to lock us in the garage um, until we came out with lyrics. <laughs> and, um, and we played all around, you know, different clubs in Montreal. And um, I was in the band for many years. And then I, I got accepted to a great program at university and my 
my band was like, no, 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 we're going on tour. My parents were like, no, 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 you're not going on tour with five guys and a roadie. You're going to school. So I, I think that part of, there's a part of me that sort of resented that a little bit. And um, it was just pro probably why I became so driven later on in life to try to make it happen. Um, and yeah, so the band, in fact, Soldier, um, this is a funny story. I'm glad you asked because Soldier, which is my new record now, um, was actually based on a song I wrote with my band back in high school in 1985. It wasn't called Soldier and the lyrics were totally different, but there is an element to the melody that I loved so much back in the 80s. And because my music sound is very 80s, um, I thought that by keeping the integrity of the song, we could sort of re you know, revamp it into something that was current. And there you are. So yeah, it became like just a, you know, a, a throwback really. Well, these are the crossroads of your life. This is uh, where you could have gone in this direction. You went, you know, you could have gone left. You went right. Uh, mom and dad, obviously your parents, very instrumental in that decision. Well, since you mentioned your parents, tell me what they did. What's your mom like? What's your dad like? Any brothers and sisters? Tell me about you. Oh, okay. Well, my dad was um, a, a graphic designer and he designed, uh, among other things, album covers. So he was very good friends with Rene Angelil, who was uh, Celine Dion's, well, husband ultimately, but manager. And uh, Rene was in a boy band back in the 60s and my dad designed all of his records and then obviously did Celine's French albums so I was around the sort of music industry in a, in a bit at like you know from that angle my mom was my mom was a sex ed teacher um and so that's kind of an interesting thing don't ask my brother about you know how he feels about that um and I only have one brother and he's my younger brother and you know probably two and a half years younger than me. And, but in my mind, he's still 12, you know? <laughs> so you've been around it. You have, you have all the, the, the genetic, the, um, the, the, the pieces to make a, a star, but uh, your mom was Dr. Ruth. Is that what it was? <laughs> she was more like, did you ever watch meet the Fockers? She was more like Barbara Streisand, you know, like she would go into classrooms and like teach, um, you know, every different age group of school, you know, um, I guess not, not just sex ed, but like, you know, drug safety and, you know, good feelings and bad feelings and just whatever, at whatever age they were. So yeah, she was a psychologist really. Yeah. That was a very important day in school when they separated the boys and put them in one room and they separated the girls and put them in the other room. <laughs> and we always wanted to know what are they teaching the girls that they're not teaching us. And we got, you know, bananas and condoms and, you know, that kind of thing. And I always wondered, what are they teaching the girls? What is the secret? How come we can't all be together? But, um, you know, did your, did your yeah. mom offer, was the classes co-ed or was it a separation a situation most of the time? I think it depended on, I think it depended on what they were being taught at the time. So I think if they were like of the age, like puberty age, they were separated. Um, and then ultimately when they got older, they were, they were co-ed. Yeah. Was the birds and the bees talk uh, good, good for you and your brother? Was it, was it uh, a little off putting <laughs> at, at, at a certain age? Uh, was it young? Were you, did you feel like you were way too young for the talk or, or was it just at the right time? That's a funny question. You know, it depends on who you ask. You know, if you're asking me, I was very close to my mother and my mom was like, I have to tell you, my mom was, I think, the original MILF. Like, she was just this gorgeous, gorgeous, drop dead, knockout. You know, all of my brother's friends were come to the house with their tongues hanging out. And, um, and my, and so my brother was probably, he probably was the most uncomfortable with the situation, obviously. And for me, my mom was my best friend. And so she knew everything and everything that I, that I did. It, I had never had any secrets from her, so we had that kind of a relationship. Okay, so apparently Fountains of Wayne uh, sang a song about your mom, Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom. Trust me, I, that song, when that came out, it was <laughs> no idea. <laughs> what does your dad think about that? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, my dad's no longer with us, okay. uh, but, uh, you know, he was very proud to be 
like the husband of a really hot mama. <laughs> well, did you get any of the, okay, you got uh, the, the birds and the bees that you got that down, but did you get any of the, of the graphic design, the, the artistic side from your, from your dad? Do you design any of your own record uh, record? Are there any records? I do miss going to record stores and picking up albums and looking at the artwork. Is there any artwork still? Yeah. And do you, are you involved in any of Yeah, it? Yeah, very much so actually. I mean, uh, obviously I, we have a professional team who work on those sorts of things, but um, I'm, I, I'm very visual and I can sort of see how things should look. Um, whether it includes a photo of me or not, or if it's, or what font it is, what color it is. Um, I'm there. And, but my, one of my sons actually has a real talent for the graphics. He's, he's exceptional with that sort of stuff. So that there is a genetic thing, but I've always been very creative and very artistic and very visual. And I always have like a, you know, a plan on how something should be, how it should look. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't obviously have the tools to execute it. Like I don't design record covers, but um, I could, I'm very involved in, in how they should look. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're giving people gems. This is primarily a learning podcast, and we're definitely learning from you, Stacey Jackson. Uh, you know, how, that you're, you cannot do it all by yourself. You have to be part of a team. You know, once you get to this level, you got to get to the next level. You got to ha- have some people that you can trust that you can put together. Uh, you had a band that, you know, locked you in a closet, you said, to, but, so you can write, uh, until you wrote lyrics, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, how, how did the songwriting, pro- how was that songwriting process different from now? <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> you know, uh, d- did you end up writing any good songs? You you said you had one that you retooled into your latest uh, offering of Soldier. Uh, you know, was that a good songwriting process? Lock yourself up in, a, in the, not necessarily, in a closet or in a room but but you know give yourself time eight hours a day four hours a day sit in front of your your recording device and start writing a song some some people do that uh yeah some people do do that i get inspired by very different things like i could um be walking on the road and the click of my heels make some sort of a beat and suddenly i'm like coming up with a top line to it um or i'll wake up in the middle of the night with like some inspiration i'll actually have to write it down um i'll be on an airplane i've written lyrics on napkins i've like you know i just think just come to me when they come to me i actually find it more intense when someone's like you have to do this now you know it's like you know as a creative it just has to it has to flow with me so i need to feel it needs to feel natural a lot of producers and djs send me beats a lot like a, a lot and if I don't feel it instantly, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force it. And I also, it's the same with anybody who remixes any of my records. I feel that like they really need to feel the music truthfully for them to do a, a good job with it. Um, if you don't feel it, then don't do it. Like it's you know, it's it's just as simple as that. And you probably are the same. Like you, you're gonna feel the music. Um, you're not gonna play it if you don't like what you're playing right so it's the same for when when i'm writing if i'm not feeling it i'm not going to write it well i know that i have different uh, different types of events where i know the crowd and they expect me to play this type of music and only this type of music but when i have autonomy and i can play what i want oh my goodness uh, what a wonderful feeling where you're not locked in a box you, you can play what you want you could sing what you want now another thing that you 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 touched upon when you were uh, rattling off uh, your top two paragraphs of your Wikipedia is that you taught aerobics. You may not, I may not look it uh, in this shape that I'm in. I could donate my body to science fiction at this point, but uh, you know, I used to teach cardio funk. I was a firefighter down in Key Largo, and I worked at a gym down in Key Largo, just a little south of where you're at in in Miami. Uh, and uh, I taught uh, step aerobics and cardio funk. That, those were my favorite. I, I really enjoyed getting in shape, but then also helping other people to get in shape as well. And um, I, I don't know if you do this. I, I do. I used to do this. Okay, two more. Okay, two more. Okay, two more. Okay, three more. Yeah, and they're like, "What? Stop it! Stop it! We've already done fifty. Stop it!" Okay, how, how, how was your aerobics uh, teaching? 
you just described it. I was like exactly that. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I used to do a class called the Superfit class because it was like 90 minutes long. And, um, and I, I would do exactly like you did. It's like, okay, come on, guys, another, you know, eight more, four more, two more. Let's go again. Eight more, four more. Two more, let's go again. And then they're like, hold on a minute. <laughs> you, why are we going again? We've done the eight and the four and the two. It's like, I lied. Keep going, you know. And they, they would come back to take the class, even though that I would lie to them all the time. <laughs> it's what we do. Of course, I had a little comedy. Uh, there, there some, somewhere I saw a comedian uh, talking. It might have been Taylor Negron. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Taylor Negron. And he would say, uh, all right, breathe in through the buttocks and release. <laughs> it was just that thing just struck me. But uh, this is years before I started teaching. But uh, yes, I appreciate the aerobics. I appreciate the getting in shape. Are you still into fitness? I mean, you seem very fit. Do you, are you still? Do you still have an exercise regimen and your eating habits? Uh, tell me about that. I exercise every single day, every day. And uh, I eat very healthy. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not boring. I do like to drink. I do like, you know, a sweet now and then. I, but I'm very disciplined. And um, I feel better when I, when I exercise. So for me, it's like if I don't work out, you know. And I also listen to my body. Like if I'm completely exhausted or I'm traveling or I'm on tour or I'm doing something. I mean, if I, I'm not going to work out because I need to rest my body just as much as I need to work it out. But I just feel like it's kind of like if I didn't brush my teeth that day, I just feel gross, you know? It's like I, for me, it's become very habitual and it's part of who I am. And like, I, even if I just took, you know, 40 minutes and I needed a fast workout just because I was busy that day, I'd try to squeeze in and if I could. So it's important to me. Yeah, I don't know if for you, it's automatic almost. When you start exercising, you start wanting to eat better. You know, you pass those fast food places. No, uh, let me go get uh, something a little healthier, a nice salad, something uh, a little lighter in the evening. You know, it was in the morning, it's eat like a king uh, for breakfast, a prince for lunch, and then a pauper for dinner. That was my mindset when I was, you know, when I was firefighting, when I was really working out. And I appreciated that. But, uh, you know, you have your own exercise regimen. Do you set that for your, well, uh, usually the wife, uh, the mother is the one that dictates the household's, uh, you know, eating habits. If you become a vegetarian, guess what? The rest of your family probably going to be vegetarian as well. Do you um, mandate or do you help out with your your family's uh, decisions on their eating and their exercise habits? Oh, my God. Absolutely not. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And the more I try, the more they, you know, go the other way. So I've just I've just thrown my hands up in the air. Like they're very well, you know, they know, they know how to eat. They know nutrition. They're smart kids. And, but I don't want to be that mom also that like, you know, makes them feel self-conscious about what they're eating and their bodies and all that. I'm re I really do try to let them make the choices because they know, you know, and they have to love themselves. So, you know, I could, guide them but I also don't want to be the one to say you know do you need that you know second bowl of pasta right like I, I don't want to be that person so for me I don't need that second bowl of pasta in fact I probably wouldn't even eat the first bowl of pasta but that's you know that's how I roll and that's the choices I made and I just you know my kids my kids are all very healthy and fit and sporty and I think as long as they know that they need to continue being active they could they could eat, you know, relatively well. And we also, you know, the kids grew up in Europe, so they, they eat sort of Mediterranean style food anyways. They don't, they don't go for the processed kind of crappy food that's sold in a supermarket. They eat, they eat good food and healthy food and they, they choose that. So I think that because they've had that growing up, ultimately, you know, they'll, they will figure it out. But, you know, and my kids are older, so, and, you know, two of them are out in the real world already anyway. 
So, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I know that there's no parenting guidebook. Uh, some people use the Dr. Spock. Some people use the Bible. Some people, you know, used different guidelines to kind of help out. But I think the only thing you could do is probably be a, a good example. And then hopefully they'll follow that example a little bit. You know, I still remember my mom, you know, she worked hard. So I work hard. I, I learned some things from my parents, you know, so I think be a good example. Is that the best thing you could do? Uh, what's your advice? hundred uh, percent. That's the best advice. Actually, I totally agree with you. I mean, they, you know, they see what, I mean, I'm hoping that I'm sending positive messages to my kids. I think I am. Um, my daughter's seeing me do what I love to do. And I'm hoping that she can understand that no matter what, um, that she can be whatever she wants to be. And like, I really hope that and it's the same with everything that I do as a mom, like uh, all the choices that we made for them. And that, you know, when they grow up and they become parents that they, feel that we you know led them in the right direction i think it's important i completely agree with you you have to lead by example and you just hope that they pick up some of the good bits you know all right stacy jackson let's go back to the crossroads you could have been a rock star rock and roll yeah be the been on tour with the band mom and dad said hey let's go to university you went to university what did you study? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, well, I ended up doing what I want to do. I wanted to work in television or in the entertainment industry. Um, I wanted to, so I, I did. I went to uh, school. I studied communications with an honors in television, actually. So I ended up in television. I worked at uh, CBS, and then I worked at Lifetime, and then Bravo. And I was in the sort of uh, programming and PR. So I launched the independent film channel I launched the actor studio with Jim Lipton so I had like a career in New York City for about 11 years and I mean all the while I was also singing in bands um, but then I had to make a decision once I started having a family I couldn't continue like the career in television and the career you know in the music and and also raise the family and keep fit and do the teach you know teach I was also still teaching aerobics um, so I had to make choices and when we moved to London I decided that I wasn't going to continue in the TV path um, and I was going to focus on the music and then the irony was um, I auditioned to host this television series on Sky which is a big you know network and it's a satellite network in the in Europe and uh, I got the job hosting an 80s music television series so it came around for me all full circle and i ended up now on camera um and it was most amazing i did that for three seasons it was fantastic every time you try to get out they pull you back in it's what happens oh my goodness <laughs> this talent had all that needs to be on camera on stage there's no way you can give it up Yes, uh, you know, being a, a touring musician, being a, a television personality, uh, you know, working hard. It's not just that one hour on the, the television, that 30 minutes on the television. There's a lot of prep work that's involved in that. So it's hard on a family. It really is. You know, if you're working yeah. too many jobs, it's going to something's going to give. So you wanted to. Um, to spend some time with the family. And I appreciate that. I commend you for that. But you gave up New York. My goodness. The IFC channel and all on CBS, America's station, mm -hmm. uh, you know, most watched station. I mean, but you were doing uh, these. Well, I mean, now you're doing an 80s show, but what were you doing on those channels? And can we still find them anywhere streaming if we want to see some of Stacey Jackson's early work? I wasn't on screen. I actually uh, did all of the sort of promotion side of things. So I was the, I was behind the scenes on uh, on most of the networks that I did. So I launched, like when I said I launched the independent film channel, um, I actually did launch the network when it came out. Um, my, like I was working with Quentin Tarantino and it was very cool. And then Jim Lipton for the actor studio on Bravo was a brand new show. And so I did all of his PR and promotion. Um, yeah, it was quite something actually. Uh, I worked at Lifetime Television. In fact, they gave me all of the fitness and health television shows to launch. So back in the day when they had like fitness, you know, people on early morning to like, you know, wake up with Denise Austin kind of thing. 
So I was the one behind the scenes making sure that people were going to watch her. So I did a lot of PR for that. And, I, and you know, I learned so much, you know, for the in the music industry, like a lot of how do you get your music out there by having the experience of working in the sort of promotional side of things for that long. Um, you know, I knew how to sort of make the music seen and, you know, and heard rather, not seen, but seen on YouTube, obviously. But, um, you know, so I was very lucky that I was able to pull upon various different experiences of my sort of work journey in order to become who I am today. Once again, giving people gems. Okay, look, the shelf life of an, an actor can be very short. You know, you work on a, a television show, it might last one season, maybe and maybe you'll do the pilot. It won't get picked up. The people that work all the time are the ones behind the scenes, on behind the camera, uh, the directors, the, pr- the promoters, the pr- producers. These are the people that will work even if the actor has lost his job or lost his way, lost her, her you know, her, her swat of Eve, you know, her, her ability to act. But, uh, yeah, you, you gain some skills behind the camera and that helps you in any anything i i've worked behind the camera I, I, this face shouldn't be in front of a camera why why am i doing this why do i put an audio ver- uh, a video version of this out i don't know maybe because stacy jackson's there next to me that that'll help that'll help hopefully we get some views on that but uh um stay rocks tell me about stay rock because branding is is what it's all about okay you have Stay Rocks, S-T-A-E-R-O-X. When did that come about? Um, 2007. <laughs> That's how, I mean, my my name is Stacy. obviously. And people call me Stay. I grew up with that name forever. Um, and so um, it just became a, a thing, you know. And but my friends, my, my daughter's friends call her K-Rocks. Her name is Kaylee, and they call her K-Rocks. Very cute. Um but I, um, uh, it wasn't meant to be like a branding thing. It turned into that ultimately. Like I launched a, a line of fitness clothes and um, we called it Stay Fit with the play on the word stay, obviously. So, um, yeah, we, it, it ultimately transitioned itself into something. Um, my music is Stay Rocks. My fitness is Stay Fit. Um Obviously, you know, if I ever launch any other branding, maybe homewares, stay home. <laughs> maybe some lingerie, stay sexy, or makeup brand, stay beautiful. I don't know. Just, you know, we're, we're, we're having a cute little play on, on words with my name. So, Well, I got branded. I, I either branded myself or got branded with Keys Dan because I'm in the floor, from the Florida Keys, and then here I am in Arkansas, and Keys Dan will not leave me. So maybe it's musical Keys. Hey, branding, right? That's what the kids are, are talking about. And you got inspiration from your child, from your daughter, K-Rocks. Wonderful. That's why we have kids, <laughs> so they can inspire us, and then uh, hopefully they'll take care of us when we're old and withering away. Uh, please? Older. <laughs> please? <laughs> or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just let us let us wither away. But uh, it seems like you have a good family unit. You have some people that are uh, at at your side that are learning from you and they're they're becoming they're becoming good upstanding citizens of the world. All right, let's go once again. Once you get out of uh, college, get out of university, uh, what's the plan for Stacy Jackson? You get uh, you get into well, it's uh, you've already said you got into television. How did you get that first job? Was it through the school? I went to Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting. They promised me that they would get me a job. I got a couple of intern jobs, but for the most part, you got to, you got to hustle in this business. Tell me about uh, you getting out of university. Was it a hustle or was the offer, the doors opened to CBS? Uh, that the CBS was through the school. So I was very lucky. And um, my boss at the time, um, like they weren't hiring at CBS, but they, I, I guess they like me. Um, so I stood over my fax machine um, and sent out like a zillion of these CVs to like all these networks. And um, my boss obviously put in a good word for me and I got a job at Lifetime and that was awesome. And uh, ironically, uh, years later, before, right before I moved, so like um, 
probably two years before I moved to London, um, like CBS got bought out by Westinghouse. And this was like, you know, long, we're talking, going back to the nineties. Right. And, um, so my boss, who was my boss at CBS, uh, obviously was going to lose his job because there was somebody else that was going to take over his, his role. And, uh, he rang me up after I had like now a career at Lifetime and Bravo and asked me if I wanted to be his partner to, uh, run the entertainment side of the PR firm that he opened up, which is now one of the biggest PR firms in New York city. And I said, yes. And I did it for two years. And then I moved to London and I thought that I was only going to be in London for a couple of years, like, you know, just as an, like an adventure. And, you know, 23 years later, I, and I never went back to the PR side. I said, no, I wanted to focus on my music. This is my time. This is, you know, so here we are. Okay. So <laughs> why did you go to London? What was it? Uh, uh, was it your husband or what was, what took you to London? Yeah. Ori- yeah. Originally, originally. Um, and his his job took him to London and we were very lucky. They, you know, they gave us a lovely expat package and, you know, they paid for our rent and um, it was like really lovely. We're going back into like the, you know, the late nineties when that was happening. And, um, and then all of a sudden my career started to take off in the music industry. And between the two of us, we looked at each other and we were like, well, why are we going to go back? This is, you know, and especially because, you know, in terms of dance music and stuff, like for me to have been in Europe was the right place, the right time. And I just was like, you know, we love it here. Let's just stay in London. So that's what happened. I agree. That is the spot to be. If you're doing the dance music, the type of music that you're, you're primarily in because you do other things, you have other ideas, but I do appreciate the, the remixes of some of the 80 songs, the urgent. And, uh, I was, I know there was another one in there that I was listening to, but I'm sure Pour some snakes. Yes. Yes. The remixes, uh, you know, lending the Stacey Jackson, the stay rocks voice to these eighties classic songs. How do you get, how do you get the ability to do those? Is that something you have to license or you're putting it, you're putting out a, 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 you know, something for free or something to showcase your voice? Um, No, it doesn't really work that way. It's um, obviously I didn't write the song, so I wouldn't, get any of the publishing on it um my version i uh, would own the performance rights to us right or the master rights to that version but i wouldn't get any publishing royalties on any of the remixes so uh, sorry or any of the remakes um which is why i tend not to do that many but the ones that i do do are songs that i grew up with from the 80s and that's you know those are the songs i chose to cover and also put my spin on it you know so and what happens is like they should just be happy because at the end of the day, when my records get spun, they get royalties. So it's it's a win win. That is correct. It, it has to be has to be good for them, uh, for the person who wrote the song. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I guess are you doing it for the the love of that song? You, you just wanted to put your version of it out there because, uh, you know, some people say I don't do it for the money. Well, sometimes you don't do it for the money you do it for the love you do it for not the- in this business <laughs> no the, yeah this is, yeah they uh you know I, they, they don't call it a starving artist for nothing um they, they this business is is toughy um and you can have thousands and thousands of streams or millions of views um you know spins on radio stations you know yes can i can i live with that, yeah, I can, but like, could I put four kids through college on my own salary? You know, I, it's, it would have been, it would have been very, it's really tough. Um, I mean, now it's different, obviously, because, you know, I'm now in it for many years. And so, but like, you know, when you're first starting out, it's, it's, uh, it's rough. So there are other ways to like earn money with, uh, with music. And that would be to write for, you know, to sync sync your music to like advertisements or um you know movies and film and stuff like that so i did a i did a film i was in i was actually i did a cameo in the film so i would license my record to the you know to the producers of the film and then that's how 
that's how you sort of start to make more money. And I guess as a, if you're if you're really big on touring, which for me has always been an issue because I can tour, but because I had four young kids at home, it was really hard for me to take these like months, months, months away. So I was bouncing back and forth, like two weeks there, come back to London, two weeks there, come back to London. Two weeks, it's harder as a, as a working mother to be able to, to do that, but we made it happen. We made it work. Yeah, I'm glad that you're talking about the business. This that, this music business can definitely eat you alive. It, the, the entertainment business as a whole can eat you alive. Signing the wrong contract, signing on the wrong dotted line where, uh, you know, uh, an entity owns you, owns your likeness, owns your voice, owns your rights, owns the tapes that you worked, you know, bloods, you gave blood, sweat and tears uh, to to uh, produce, I mean Taylor Swift yeah. having to re-record her first songs just so she can have a version. They don't sound exactly the same, you know. She's matured in her voice, uh, but she now owns them. Prince having to get out of his contract uh, by making himself into a symbol, you know. So uh, it's mm-hmm. tough. It really is. Uh, but and it's it's gotten even harder because you can't even sell a million physical record albums or CDs and get a part of that. Now you're getting pieces of a penny per stream and hoping that that residual, the BMI, the, 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 uh, some of those people will send some of that money your ways. Your residual checks can be 57 cents for how many millions of streams. You know, I know I'm being a little facetious, but it's it's kind of like that. How are people making money in this business? It's exactly like that, and it's an excellent question, and it's really hard. I mean, and you also have to know who to trust in the business. So, you know, I'm a lot more mature now, and I I understand the business a lot more. And I, but you know, when you're first venturing out, you just want to be the artist. You just want someone to say okay, this is what's going to happen and this is where you're going to go and this is how it works and this, you know, and, but then if you get yourself mixed up with people who aren't trustworthy, you can be shafted. And, um, there was, uh, uh, I can talk about it now. The guy ultimately died. Um, but we were, we were, I, I was what, like my managers, we were like wondering, I had a pretty big record out. Well, I had a couple of big records out in the US. One obviously was Snoop Dogg and then another one called Pointing Fingers. And we just could not understand why I'm getting, you know, residuals from other records. But the, like these, these other ones, we were like, what? I, one spun on Sirius XM for months. And like, what, what is happening here? Anyway, it just so happened that, you know, how all the metadata is, it's all coded, right? So you have to put in, you know, IRSC codes and things so that anytime you spend anything on your radio station, that's how the collection agencies will know what you're playing and so the artists will ultimately get paid. Anyways, he changed all the IRSC codes. So because they're coming out of a British, coming out of a, you know, British distribution, the, the IRSC codes start with GB, then there's a bunch of numbers. The U.S., IRSC codes are different. So, and yeah, so he was collecting, he was collecting it like this, this manager guy. And, uh, I got completely shafted with a couple of my big, big records. And, you know, look, you live and you learn. And that's what made me a stronger person because you have to go through some crap in your life to be able to, you know, figure out how to navigate the rest of your life. So, I mean, it is what it is, but you know that was a long time ago, and now we moved on, and I have other songs, and I I, I have ownership of every single one, well, or co ownership with whoever I've co written the songs with. But it's all I own all the master rights, and I'm I've taken it all back home. Well, these are hard lessons, Crazy. though. But that 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 uh, uh, the fingers song, the pointing fingers, and then the uh, I am a woman, uh, those songs, and then the live it up with Snoop Dogg back. Uh, 12 years ago or so, or, or even maybe a little bit longer, uh, Snoop Dogg was lending his voice to a lot. I remember the Katy Perry song, Fantastic. Your song, I listened to it, Fantastic. You know, just the blend of your voice and then, you know, Snoop with his smoothness coming in and doing his thing. How did you get involved with Snoop Dogg? Or is it a kind of a touchy subject since that song, you're not getting anything from it now? Or are you? Oh, well, I am now. Um, 
I am now. We've, we've, we've rectified this situation, you know, but it was hard because they, they can only do things uh, retroactively for so, they can only go back so long. Um, but yeah, we obviously we solved some of the problems. But um, so uh, Snoop, uh, I was being managed by a very interesting guy uh, who you might have heard of. His name is Stephen Machat. Um, he, you could look him up. I mean, he's a very interesting guy. He's written a bunch of books. He's been in the record business forever and ever and ever. Um, and he actually worked with the sort of, the, you know, the gangster rapper kind of clan, um, back in the day. And I'd written this song specifically about a dream that I had when my late father came to visit me in a dream. And, uh, I wrote the lyrics about this it was a very spiritual experience. And um, Stephen was like, you know, I w actually this is even funnier because I want to. I had this visual. I, just, I like I, this song needed a rap, and I thought that I would revisit those kids from the charity that I was telling you about before, especially and you know because I, I've been involved with this group of kids for so long. And Stephen said to me, you know what, Stace, you've had a couple of hit records now, like. You know why? Why do that? Let's send it off to someone who you know, like, like someone like Snoop Dogg. And I said to Stephen, "I'm like, what are you smoking? Like, why would Snoop Dogg want to do a record with me?" And he goes, first of all, this song is great. The message is even better. And he will love the story. So why don't we send it off and see what he says? I mean, like, not even three days later, I was on a flight to Boston to like work with him. So that. Like, Things, weird things happen in my life. <laughs> Look at you. You're using your powers as a songwriter to keep your father alive forever. The inspiration was your dad in a dream. And that's how you're keeping him alive forever. Yeah, I, I fully believe, you know, I, I guess we stay alive as long as we're on the breaths of other people. You know, the last person that speaks your your name, then you're I guess you're fully gone. So, yeah. You got your dad and Snoop Dogg. Hey, pretty cool. Not bad. <laughs> Not too shabby at all. <laughs> and you, and you came out with a nice hit. And I'm glad that you uh, you resolved all the residuals. You've covered some of the business that, that can be tricky. You know, we, now that you've been around for a while, you can help those, those people that, that are coming out of high school or, or maybe still in high school. You know, and a 16-year-old Britney Spears that, that's getting, you know, fished away and maybe taken advantage of, you know, here and there by her own dad. You know, and it, 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 you, you, it's hard to, to know who to trust. I mean, this is all alleged, allegedly. I guess I need to say that, you know, since uh, I don't yeah. know the whole story. Yeah, but uh, you know it, it can be shady. You know, some people, some kids can get it taken advantage. Here's here's five thousand dollars cash. Just sign on the dotted line. But little did they know, they have to pay that five thousand dollars back and more. Yeah, no, it's it's insane this business. But we're staff. I, I also, obviously, as I've grown and matured through the business, I, I now have aligned myself with better quality people. And you know, I it's just now I know better. Right. And I know the questions to ask and, you know, but I've done uh, master classes before with with people who are starting out in the industry and they ask me a lot of, for advice. And it's great. I'm very happy to help and mentor anyone, um, you know, but sometimes we will also have to live um, through making mistakes. Like I was just I was just talking to somebody the other day and I said that failure is actually the road to success and, you know, feeling, getting rejected and rejected and, you know, trying to navigate not just your business, but your life, you know, making mistakes is how you get better at, 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 at everything, I think, because, you know, um, you learn. So that's my message. Yes. NASA says uh, failure. It's, there's no failures. It's your first attempt at success. Uh, we we found uh, was it uh, Edison said he didn't find sixty seven failures that make it the light bulb. He found sixty seven ways that it didn't work, you know, or something like that. But uh, I know we've taken some of your time. You're here in Miami, or you're in Miami. I know. I still feel I'm getting homesick now. I was born in Miami, born and raised in Miami. I, I want to go back and visit. 
you know, my grandma's still down there. My 90 something year old grandma is still in Key Largo. So, uh, yeah, I got to get down there and visit. Oh, but uh, yes, <laughs> the weather is gorgeous. I love it when it's hot like this. I'm I'm a nut job. I just because growing up in Canada, I, I I should have been a beach bum. I don't even know why I was born in snow. I, I just love hot. I like the sun. I don't know. It's crazy. Oh, it's getting too hot down there. I heard the water is uh, over 100 degrees and it's killing the fish, but that's a whole nother story. That's that's a subject for a whole nother podcast. Oh, my goodness. Enjoy yourself while you're down there in Miami. You got to be getting hustling and bustling. What do you, what do you got going this evening? I'm going to go out to dinner and then I got to get an early night because I got a really early flight to Atlanta tomorrow morning. And uh, like I'm talking, I got to be up at five. So, um, yeah, I'm going to head out, go and grab something to eat. Actually, I'm really looking forward to a nice glass of red wine. Well, I, um, I know our no Marcel put us th- together, but I want you to give shout outs to people that have helped you along the way as we land this plane and uh, get out of here. Shout outs to everyone who's helped me along the way. Well, a shout out to you, Keys Dan. First of all, you know, when I get to do these podcasts and interviews, it's like it's an honor for me to talk about, you know, what I do. And I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, everyone, I know that you were speaking to Yaima um, as somebody from from Miami who's been like an angel and so shout out to her and a shout out to all my fans and people who are listening to you just you know sending all the very best and keep on dancing everyone yeah and I know that you were uh Nitris uh you, you had a, a a song with him uh um uh, Dimitri yeah that's fantastic yeah, he's from yeah we have a great song uh called Viral and that's won a bunch of awards. In fact, I'm going to see him in Atlanta as well. I'm and so we're excited. We're going to do a song together. Yeah, it's very, very, very cool. Well, I'm so excited to, to hear what comes about with the ISSA. I do appreciate that that there's awards for the independents as well. You know, it's nice to be recognized. Yes, you put all this stuff out into the world, but it's nice to be appreciated. You know, oh, thank you. You like that thing? I appreciate it. Thank you. I made that thing. You know, so uh, I, I know we, we've only scratched the surface of Stacey Jackson. We've got a little overview of how you became who you are. But, um, you know, I, I do I, I, I don't want this to be the last time that we talk as as time progresses. If you have anything else to promote, you come on back. We don't have to tell your whole life story, but we can just help you promote what you're doing at that particular moment in time. Speaking of at t- this particular moment in time, I usually finish these things off with last words for the people. This could be words to live by, something you heard a long time ago, maybe a mantra that you wake up with every morning, or just whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. Stacy Jackson, Stay Rocks, give the last words for the people. It's never too late to live your dreams. Well, there you have it, party people. Stacy Jackson, Stay Rocks, at Stay Rocks. S-T-A-E-R-O-X. Put that in your Googles. You'll find her everywhere. StacyJackson.com. That's Stacy with an S-T-A-C-E-Y. Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. And you'll find everything you need to know. Well, maybe not everything, but almost everything you need to know about Stacy Jackson, including all the links. You got the Instagram at Stay Rocks, Twitter at Stay Rocks, YouTube, TikTok is Stay Rocks. She's TikToking. My goodness. Yes. Get your inspiration. Get your happy time. And most of the music is really upbeat dance music, having a good time, getting people on the dance floor. Just, you know, and if you listen to the lyrics, you might learn something. There's some uh, really informative lyrics as well while you're listening to that nice bubbly dance music. But then uh, every once in a while, she she uh, breaks it down and gives you <laughs> the the uh, acoustic version of Flipside. Check that one out on the YouTube. That's a good one. Oh, my goodness. And I appreciate Oh, Get Together, the Soldier Song. So good. So good. Thanks so much, Stacey Jackson, for being on the podcast, the What Makes You Famous podcast. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. Now, if you, yes, you, my loyal listener, if you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, 
or email keysdan at AOL.com. That's it for me. It's keysdanradiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keysdan.com thank you for listening this is keys dan and this is shelly g and you're listening to radio what dot com radio what the music you want with some words to live by if a relationship has to be a secret you shouldn't be in it a public service message from radio what dot com the music you want